Gavanin, and Suilaid. To all my elf friends, I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, and that was indeed the Academy Award winning music from Howard Shore, from Fellowship of the Ring, the Council of Elrond. And I don't know about you, but here it is, fall, and I am so much looking forward to, in just a couple of months, the uh, Hobbit, which we have found out over the summer, is now going to be not two movies, but three movies. So, more fun in Middle Earth. My Govanin and Soilide Elf friends, you are listening to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, Orange County's alternative radio station, and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. I am Tani Tenuville, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do? Back from a break for the summer. We are here, I'm here, and whoever might be with me. Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Time on KUCI, 88.9 FM in Southern California, and streaming live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, around the whole wide world through KUCI.org and through iTunes. You can contact me at askanelf at yahoo.com. I would love to hear from you. You can find podcasts and information about this show and all of the public affairs programs of KUCI at www.kucitalk.org. And there you can also find podcasts of What Would Arwen Do? or on iTunes or on our home website, kuci.org, under Archives Podcasts. If you are tuning in for the very first time, you may be wondering what this show is all about. Well, this is where we celebrate all things Tolkien, where we ask if a Middle-earth elf lived today in Southern California, what might her life look like? How would she as a modern elf celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? Some people like to ask, what would Jesus do? And that is a very good question. But on this program, I like to ask, what would Arwen do? Who was Arwen, you may be wondering. In J.R.R. Tolkien's Mythology of Middle-earth, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves and lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing lore and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light, a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or an elvish Arda. I believe Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige, with great privilege comes responsibility. In Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth, Colin Durias writes, In his invented mythology of Middle-Earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, like dwarves, hobbits, and the like, partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. I believe this elven quality exists today in every living creature and yearns, yearns for expression through gifts of creativity, 
nobility, and service to others. Welcome, Alinda Lee, Alin Salalumenomentielvo, A Star Shines on the Hour of Our Meeting. So yes, today is the first day back after being off for the summer on other adventures. And I thought I was going to have a guest calling in. I still actually haven't heard a confirmation or non-confirmation, so you never know what might happen. But we're going to be exploring some music today, some news of things going on, a little bit of an uh, Elvish adventure report, and some notable things in the news. We'll also hear from the professor himself. So lots of fun things going on. Next week, I will be having an interview with Vivi, who is a UCI student, journalism student here at UC Irvine. And she also has an interesting side hobby. I don't know if it's really a hobby. It's more like serious research having to do with uh, creepers, creepers and stalkers. (laughs) And uh, so, in case you've ever been approached online or something by a creeper, you might want to tune in and uh, see, um, find out some information about that and what you can do and how to handle it. So, Vivi will be here with me next week. She is a magical being, very fun, and I'm very excited to have her in studio. And... She also is going to be taking the upcoming training here at KUCI. One of the wonderful things about uh, KUCI is, as a college radio station, it is one of the few radio stations that actually opens its... I'm really having a little challenge here with my technology. (laughs) Opens its trainings to community members once... A year, uh, I believe that was just in the summer, and the other quarters of the year, the uh, staff, the KUCI DJ training is open to all UCI students, faculty, and staff. And that training, there's information on our homepage at KUCI.org. It's going to start on Wednesday, October 10th, so that will be a week from tomorrow at 7 p.m. in HICF 100L. And if you'd like information, it's usually, I believe it's eight weeks long. It's uh, one or one to one and a half hours an evening. You learn all about uh, what the FCC requires. You learn all about the technology and how to have a show and um, learn just a lot of wonderful history about KCI and its involvement here on the campus of UC Irvine and in the community. And you can uh, submit a experimental tape for a show. And who knows, they might be just crazy enough to give you a show. They gave one to an elf. So the contact information is training at KUCI.org. Training at KUCI.org. So again, that will be on Wednesday evenings starting a week from tomorrow, October 10th at 7 p.m. right here on the campus of UC Irvine um, in the... I believe it's going to be right here in the trailers next to the station. And you can find information on our homepage. So we've got wonderful things going on. There's, uh, in case you didn't know, if you are listening and you are a fan 
or enthusiast of the works of J.R.R. Tolkien or the Middle Earth works of Peter Jackson and crew, then um, you may be aware that the second Hobbit trailer has been released. And I can't figure out. I loved the first one so much. <laughs> loved it so much. And um, so the second one, it has... Com- uh, pretty much completely different uh, things. So we are going to, you're going to hear the audio from that today. And um, hopefully it will be enough of a teaser for you to watch it. To, you, and if you happen to have um, iTunes on your big screen at home, which I was at uh, Roe, the, the shield maiden, an archeress of El Escondido. I was uh, down there this weekend. We had a little uh, adventure with uh, playing around with bows and arrows, which I'll tell you a little bit more about later. I'm hoping that she might be able to call in. They have a big screen TV with iTunes, and we got to see the Hobbit trailer, too, on the big screen. It was amazing. I'm going to play a little music right now from the archives. And this quarter, there'll be lots of fun things going on. But one of my passions is to hopefully not only introduce and encourage you to delve into the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien, because it is just such a wonderful, rich, rich mythology, but also the music. One of the things when I went to see this movie, well, Fellowship of the Ring, and then the subsequent movies, Two Towers and Return of the King, I was absolutely enthralled and enchanted with the music of Howard Shore and the music that he had created for Middle-earth. And so I'm very excited to see what kind of themes and motifs he's going to come up with for the um, Hobbit movies. And Doug Adams, who wrote the uh, amazing book, The Music of the Lord of the Rings movies, which has a CD in the back called the Rarities Archives, which are... uh, little clips of music uh, that you can't get anywhere else. It actually has some of the uh, kind of prototype, I'm not sure if that's the correct word, but for a lot of the songs that eventually made it into the soundtrack for the movie, movies. So I thought I would play just for fun this morning, and it was very interesting because for me, I can listen, I can hear parts of, the music of the Lord of the Rings, and it takes me right back to Middle-earth. It not only takes me right back to the scene in Middle-earth, to what was happening in the story, but it also very often evokes the same emotions in me that I was feeling at the time that I experienced that aspect of the story, you know, cinematographically. That word. (laughs) And so I'm going to play the... Return of the King trailer, which is very cool because it has little clips from the different parts of the movie. So you get to see that the kind of change up in the music as different things. There's music of the Ents, there's the music of uh, Gondor. So we're going to have a little musical interlude uh, while I play with the technology here and try to get something up on YouTube that I wish to share with you. This is KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM. I am Tani Tenuville, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. And here, if everything works according to plan, is 
music from Howard Shore, from the Archive CD, the Rarities Archive CD, from the book, The Music of the Lord of the Rings Movies. from the official trailer of the Return of the King movie. And so, speaking of trailers, I love trailers most of the time. The other thing about trailers that I don't particularly always like is that sometimes I feel like they give away too much of the movie. And so, while I had the Hobbit co-host with me here uh, for almost, I think it was almost two years, I miss him dearly. And he's still off on other adventures that he can't be in the studio right now. So, but we always keep him in thought and prayer and uh, hope that he will make his way back safely someday to have more adventures with us. But um, The Hobbit was the film expert. And being a longtime uh, traveling film critic all over the world and... Uh, I, on the other hand, just um, like the movies. <laughs> just I'm not a, an expert in anything. We elves are experts in walking under starlight, starlight and communing with trees and things like that. Um, at least uh, some of us. So, but I love the movies. I'm very excited. To me, they are two completely different works of art. The uh, Middle Earth version, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's original Middle Earth mythology, and then the various interpretations of it, the plays and uh, art and music, and uh, Peter Jackson's um, uh, screen uh, version. So, but I, I just love them all. I, I love all of the, the various ways of experiencing the worlds of Middle Earth. So, it was interesting as I was down at Rose House, that we were enjoying uh, looking at some different trailers up on their giant, giant big screen TV with amazing sound. And there was a trailer for Man of Steel, which I guess is the new Superman movie coming out. So I'm going to play this trailer for you and see if you can identify what's going on here. <laughs> and it, this uh, trailer has had 5,520,397 views. So here is the Man of Steel. I hope we, you will enjoy the soundtrack from this. This is KCI in Irvine. Perhaps you're sitting there thinking, what has gotten into the elf? She played the wrong trailer. <laughs> that was music from Lord of the Rings. And as that music came, uh, came across, you may have sat there, as I did, 
and I'm looking at Roe, and I'm thinking, wait, this is the fellowship coming out of the mines of Moria after Gandalf has just fallen with the Belrog, and Merry and Pippin are falling on the ground crying and clutching each other, and Frodo's crying and walking away, and, and we're looking at each other going, wait, something's wrong here. This is music from the Lord of the Rings. And then it was like, well, maybe it's just like it. And I'm like, no, I've, I saw that movie 28 times. <laughs> I know that music. And we just, but we thought it can't be. They, they, they couldn't use music from the Lord of the Rings in a trailer for Superman. So anyway, the, um, the archeress's husband got on the internet and it turns out that indeed they did use the music from the Lord of the Rings for the trailer. There is another one that has music by John Williams, which I think uh, is much more suitable. Um, but uh, yes, it was music from the Fellowship of the Ring, and it's in the official trailer for The Man of Steel. So very bizarre. I, I, I've never seen anything like that before or heard it, and it was just the strangest thing. You, almost, you felt like, or at least we felt like we were in some kind of alternative universe time warp thing where you know this it's like they got the soundtrack somebody put the wrong soundtrack on the movie so that was interesting you might want to check it out it's very um and of course there are lots and lots of um feedback on that some people of course are outraged and you know i don't get outraged about things like that there's you know it's it's nothing things to be there are a lot of things to be upset about in life, and that's not something I would want to choose to expend that kind of energy on. Um, but it was very strange. I don't know that I would watch it a lot, other than if I wanted to just hear the music, because I like the Howard Shore Lord of the Rings music. Um, but you might want to check it out. It's, it's kind of it's trippy. And, uh, but speaking of trailers, we, I want to play a little bit for you from the... Well, actually, it's just like, I think sure how long the the trailer is for the um hobbit the uh number two hobbit trailer two and yes the new full-length trailer of the hobbit so we'll get into that but first i thought because um i think i mentioned this that this quarter I really want to um, enchant you (laughs) into the worlds of Middle-earth. I absolutely love the movies. I came to the world of Middle-earth through the movies over 10 years ago. started my experiment of my life as an an elf that turned into my grand adventure of my life as an elf that has transformed my life on so many levels. And I would not even be here and have met some of the most amazing people I have ever met. Um, as I have through my involvement here at KUCI, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth, uh, broadcasting here from UC Irvine, and uh, serving the students, serving the community with music. We don't play any mainstream music here at KUCI because while many of us love mainstream music and it's wonderful to listen to, Uh, There are lots of musicians and artists and songwriters out there that are making amazing music in so many genres that most people never hear about. 
when I came, first got involved with KUCI, I didn't even know what these genres were or what differentiated them. I still don't know a lot of them, but at least I can kind of tell. I mean, I know now a little bit of the difference between electronic and goth and indie. Um, and then there's Zydeco, and we have jazz and classical and um, elect- electronic. Um, there's something called noise, I think, and rap and hip-hop. And, of course, TNN's show, which is on just before this here at KCI from 1 to 3 p.m. And Funk Your Face, which with all kinds of amazing, soulful music. And then at 6 o'clock, Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident. How blessed am I to be on on Tuesday afternoons with such amazing DJs playing such amazing music. Heather, you never know what she's going to come up with to inspire you or rattle your brain or whatever, but it's always a magical adventure. She's on from 6 to 8 p.m. So you would never hear any of this stuff on mainstream uh, radio. So in case you uh, have friends that are into something, please check out our website at KUCI.org. Check out the different kinds and genres of musical programming we have and the public affairs programming, which, again, you won't hear on your mainstream PBS or public uh, radio stations. So that's enough for the infomercial. Let's get to the Hobbit trailer as a little teaser, and then I'm going to let you hear the professor himself reading a little passage from the Hobbit that relates to a little passage in the new trailer. And I'll let you see if you can catch that. Far to the east, over ranges and rivers, lies a single solitary peak. The dwarves are determined to reclaim their homeland. I like visitors as much as the next Hobbit. But I do like to know them before they come. Visiting. Mr. Baggins? At your service. Hmm? I'm surrounded by dwarves. What are they doing here? Oh, they're quite a merry gathering. So, this is the Hobbit. You asked me to find the 14th member of this company, and I have chosen Mr. Baggins. Me? No, 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 no. Hobbits can pass unseen by most if they choose, which gives us a distinct advantage. We will seize this chance to take back Erebor. Here, Mr. Bilbo, where are you off to? I'm going on an adventure. Mithrandir, why the halfling? Why Bilbo Baggins? Perhaps it is because I'm afraid. And it gives me courage. So this is your purpose, to enter the mountain. What of it? There are some who would not deem it wise. A dark part has found a way back into the world. Why don't we have a game of riddles? And if it loses, what then? Loses precious ingredients. If Baggins loses, we eat it whole. Fair enough. Deep down here by the dark water lived old Gollum. I don't know where he came from, nor who or what he was. He was Gollum, as dark as darkness, except for two big, round, pale eyes. He had a boat, and he rode about quite quietly on the lake, for lake it was, wide and deep and deadly cold. 
He paddled it with large feet dangling over the side, but never a ripple did he make. Not he. He was looking out of his pale, lamp-like eyes for blind fish, which he grabbed with his long fingers as quick as thinking. He liked meat, too. Goblin, he thought, good, when he could get it. But he took care they never found him out. He just throttled them from behind if ever they came down alone anywhere near the edge of the water while he was prowling about. They very seldom did, for they had a feeling that something unpleasant was lurking down there, down at the very roots of the mountain. They had come on the lake when they were tunnelling down long ago, and they found they could go no further. So there they rode ended in that direction. There was no reason to go that way, unless the great goblin sent them. Sometimes he took a fancy for fish from the lake, and sometimes neither goblin nor fish came back. Actually, Gollum lived on a slimy island of rock in the middle of the lake. He was watching Bilbo now from the distance with his pale eyes like telescopes. Bilbo could not see him, but he was wondering a lot about Bilbo, for he could see that he was no goblin at all. Gollum got into his boat and shut off from the island while Bilbo was sitting on the brink, altogether flummoxed and at the end of his way in his wits. Suddenly up came Gollum and whispered and hissed, Blasses and splashes, my precious. I guess it's a choice feast. At least a tasty morsel it'll make us call him. And when he said Gollum, he made a horrible swallowing noise in his throat. That is how he got his name though he always called himself my precious. The hobbit jumped nearly out of his skin when the hiss came in his ears, and he suddenly saw the pale eyes sticking out at him. Who are you? he said, thrusting his dagger in front of him. What is he, my precious? whispered Gollum, who always spoke to himself, through never having anyone else to speak to. That is what he had come to find out, for he was not really very hungry at the moment, only curious. Otherwise he would have grabbed first and whispered afterwards. I am Mr. Bilbo Baggins. I've lost the dwarves, and I've lost the wizard, and I don't know where I am. And I don't want to know if only I can get away. What's he got in his hands is, said Gollum, looking at the sword, which he did not quite like. The sword, a blade which came out of Gondolin. <laughs> said Gollum, and became quite polite. Perhaps she sits here and chats with it a bit, see, my precious. It likes riddles, perhaps, does it? Does it? He was anxious to appear friendly, at any rate for the moment, until he found out more about the sword and the hobbit, whether he was quite alone really, whether he was good to eat, and whether Gollum was really hungry. Riddles were all he could think of. Asking them, sometimes guessing them, had been the only game he'd ever played with other funny creatures sitting in their holes in the long, long ago before the goblins came, and he was cut off from his friends far under the mountains. Very well, said Bilbo, who was anxious to agree, until he found out more about the creature, whether he was quite alone, whether he was fierce or hungry, and whether he was a friend of the goblins. You ask first, he said, because he had not had time to think of a riddle. So Gollum hissed, What has roots as nobody sees? He's taller than trees. Up, up it goes, and yet never grows. Easy, said Bilbo. Mountain, I suppose. Does it guess easy? It must have a competition with us, my precious. If precious asks, it doesn't answer. We eats it, my precious. If it asks us and we doesn't answer, then we does what it wants, eh? 
which shows it the way out? Yes. At the game of riddles. And if it loses, what then? Loses precious thing we eat it. If Baggins loses, we eat it whole. Fair enough. <laughs> and so here we see Peter Jackson taking pretty much straight out of the book the conversation between Gollum and Bilbo in the cave. And, of course, um, Andy Serkis' portrayal of Gollum, so amazing in the Lord of the Rings movies and bringing it to the screen again in the Hobbit movies. So... Um, you might want to check out, it's called The Hobbit Full Length Trailer Number 2 HD. That was the one I, that I was playing. It's had 826,000, over 826,000 views thus far. And I believe you can also find it through Peter Jackson's blog, which is The Hobbit Blog. I haven't, uh, I don't visit there very often because it's too tempting to view some of the production videos. And I am now, since The Hobbit is no longer here with me, to give insight into the uh, making of the film. I am back in no spoiler mode. So the trailers, I you know, they give me a little teaser of some of the places and some of the way that things are going to look. But I don't want too much given away. Um, I just want to see it on the big screen. So you may uh, be um, looking forward to it, looking forward to it also. And there should be some line parties going on. Last year there was, I believe, a really big line party at the um, in Irvine uh, Spectrum. And of course, this is going to be coming out in 3D. So there'll be there might even be an IMAX line party and. It will be coming also to the big screen here in Newport Beach that uh, at, by Fashion Island that hosts the largest screen west of the Mississippi. I think that's not uh, including IMAX. And uh, I imagine they will have it in 3D there. So, and for the Lord of the Rings movies, I went to a line party for the Two Towers. Great fun. We uh, camped out all day. They wouldn't camp us out the night before, let us camp out the night before, but from 6 in the morning until midnight that night, we camped out and did all kinds of geeky things. We even had Christmas carols with Lord of the Rings uh, Middle Earth lyrics, and uh, it was great fun. Ate Limbus and uh, things like that. And then um, we're us astounded and amazed by the two towers so let's have a little music from howard shore again uh teasing you a little bit to look forward to the music of the hobbit movies and here is some music from the shire this is from the howard shore academy academy award-winning music from the fellowship of the ring this is from the complete recordings here's music from the shire
that is music from the Shire. I believe this was in the original soundtrack uh, called Concerning Hobbits. Delightful music, a theme and motif for the Shire and the Hobbits from Howard Shore. So for the next next segment of the show, um, gosh, I wanted to do a Elvish adventure report for the summer. So many things happened. Um, I scootered around. I completed my one-year one-year commitment to alternative transportation and was gifted a car from some amazing friends. That's what happens to us elves. We just, uh, things kind of just uh, show up. <laughs> was gifted a car by my dear, dear friends, Rowan Jam, a little red rocket. Got my certification in teaching archery with the archerists and went down and taught an archery camp with 30, uh, 32 kids, one week long, the hottest week of the summer in Escondido. It was over 100, and we were out there from uh, 8 in, 8.30 in the morning till 12.30. And uh, fortunately, because it was summer, the second uh, day we were able to move part of the activities into the shade of a big tree. I tell you, I love those trees. Trees are so amazing. I might be dead if it wasn't for trees. Because being a an elf of the coastland, I am not acclimated to over 100 degree weather, especially when it's very humid. I live here by the beach. It's usually in this stays between 65 and 70 and, and 80 at the most. I mean, here lately it's been a little warm, but um, so. But that was wonderful. Kids that hadn't ever done archery before came five mornings and learned how to shoot bow and arrow. Kids from 7 to 14. And the biggest age group was right around the 8 to 11, uh, both in boys and girls. So it was quite uh, interesting, making sure that everything stayed, stayed safe and everyone stayed occupied. But it was uh, amazing, and Roe is such an amazing teacher. And I was privileged to be her assistant. And she does do certifications for training. In fact, I was hoping she was going to be on today. I have to have her on. She just did a big training at, I believe the place is called Koyamaka. It's an outdoor school out by Julian, I believe. And just this last week, they um, it's been really hard to get archery into the schools as a sport in San Diego. They've been very close to it, but apparently they're reconsidering that I, maybe because of all of the demand for it with the movies the brave the hunger games x-men um and just you know such amazing interest in it so they contacted her to see if she could come through the nasp uh, natural national archery in the schools program which she's certified in to teach uh 14 teachers or was it 20 14 a day i don't know I think it might have been uh, 28 teachers, um, 14 a day. Anyway, uh, to teach archery in their school, and they're going to be kind of looking that, at that to see about maybe being able to open it up to more uh, public schools in the San Diego County. So that was very exciting for her, and she donated her time and equipment to go and do that. She's an amazing woman. 
Then uh, Saturday I was down to help her with her new uh, classes that started Saturday morning. So we had three new classes starting and uh, in the beginning class. uh, I think there was 16 people and uh, they were all brand new to archery. And then Sunday, I went with her to down into San Diego to Morley Field, and she organizes the Senior Olympics archery competition. So there were, I believe, 12 or 14 archers down there competing uh, for gold, sil- bronze, silver, and gold medals. And you can find out more information about that. They may even have some video clips up on the um, Senior Olympics website, which I don't have at the, right off the top of my head. Um, I was hoping that Ro was going to be here today. But yeah, that's been some of the adventures that the Elf has been on. I've met some amazing people this summer. I've had time to um, kind of get things a little bit simplified, trying to figure out. I kind of fasted from KUCI, which was very hard to see if I could live without it. Um, and I thought, well, is it really? Am I really making any difference there? But then, of course, I met Vivi and wanted to have her on the show, and she was excited. And she's a UCI student and a journalism student, so she was excited about coming and taking the training f- to become a DJ. Which you can find out information about that on our website at kuci.org. And so I thought, well, I need to have a show so that she can come and get some, you know, an intern on the show, and I can help her, you know as much as I can, so to have her own show. And I just kept meeting other very interesting people that I wanted to have on the show that I believe are making a difference in the world and in the community. So I thought, i got to do it at least one more quarter. And, and, and it is. It's, it's true with the Hobbit movies coming out. So, uh, so my one day a week for, the, for What Would Arwen Do? And I absolutely love being here, and I love being part of KUCI. It has changed my life. And if you have listened at all in the past, you know that I am an extreme advocate of volunteer work. Get involved with something that makes your heart sing, and I promise you, I promise you it will change your life. So there's a couple of things that I wanted to just share with you today. I usually don't get into too much having to do with politics and things like that, but there were two things in the paper that I just uh, wanted to mention At one point, I think I'm going to uh, develop the happy news hour, but unfortunately today these two things are not, do not fall into the happy news. Uh, One of them is just something for you to be aware of and maybe say, uh, take a moment to say a prayer or send good thoughts to the family and loved ones of Barry Commoner, a biologist who uh, passed away Sunday. He was a pillar, uh, this is from an article in the LA Times, a pillar of of the ecology movement. Reading from the article by Elaine Wu, Barry Commoner, a scientist activist whose ability to identify and explain complex ecological crises and advocate radical solutions made him a pillar of the environmental movement. And he died of natural causes Sunday in New York City. He was 95. Uh, Commoner was a biologist and author whose seminal 1971 book, The Closing Circle, Man, Nature, and Technology, argued for the connectedness of humans and the natural world. I think he must have been an elf. It said the environmental problems were related to technological advances and had a role in social and economic injustice. He conducted research that helped propel a successful campaign for a nuclear test ban treaty in the early 1960s and drew early attention to the dangers of uh, 
dioxins, the potential of solar energy, and recycling as a practical means of reducing waste. So I would imagine there'll be some things on the internet and on the news that you may, might want to check out. Uh, again, that's Barry Commoner, uh, passed away, a pillar of the ecology movement that passed, who passed away Sunday. Um, the other thing that I wanted to share with you to just um, was kind of one of my, uh, when I read it, the, it kind of brought out the seriously response for us elves because we care about the planet, we care about the creatures, and I hope that you do too. And uh, there have been great strides being made with regards to animal testing, um, both by the cosmetics um, companies, but there's, it's still a lot of it is going on. How do you think they genetically change things without testing? And I wanted to read a little excerpt from the Selmarillion, which is the history of the elves. And this is of Iuli and Yavanna. Iuli was a Valar who actually created the elves. And we'll, we'll go into that sometime, too. It's quite fascinating. But uh, Yavanna is asking him, Yavanna is the queen of the earth, creating the uh, creatures and the fauna and the flora. And... Um, She's wondering about when the elves wake up and come and when the aftercomers come and how will it be for the things that she has created. And it says here, Iuli answered, that also shall be true of the children of Iluvatar, uh, for they will eat and they will build, and though the things of thy realm have worth in themselves, and would have worth if no children were to come, yet Eru will give them dominion. And they shall use all that they find in Arda, though not by the purpose of Eru, without respect or without gratitude. Not unless Melkor darkens their hearts, said Yavanna, and she was not appeased, but grieved in heart, fearing what might be done upon Middle-earth in days to come. Therefore she went before Manwe, and she did not betray the counsel of Iuli, but she said, King of Arda, is it true, as Iuli hath said to me, that the children, when they come, shall have dominion over all the things of my labor, to do with as they will therewith? It is true, said Manwe, but why dost thou ask, for thou hadst no need of the teaching of Iuli? Then Yavanna was silent, and looked into her own thought, and she answered, because my heart is anxious, thinking of the days to come. All my works are dear to me. It is, not, is it not enough that Melkor, Melkor should have marred so many? Shall nothing that I have devised be free from the dominion of others? And Melkor created many, many tragedies, and it was actually through Melkor that the race of the orcs came by the torture, mutilation, and genetic manipulation of the elves. So there is an article today in the newspaper and the title of the article is FDAA too slow to approve biotech foods products made subtitle products made from genetically modified animals are trapped in an endless logjam scientists complain. Okay, what's the first thing I noticed about this thing that uh, I <laughs> that caught my I'm like what genetically modified animals Okay, scientists, here's the article. Scientists have created a genetically modified milk that lacks a key protein involved in triggering allergies, an impressive technical feat that one plaudits in the biotechnology world. How did they develop that, I wonder? But the development published Monday in the Journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Scientists isn't likely to lead soon to less allergic milk, allergenic milk, which we really need to have, don't we? Less allergenic milk, uh, it warrants 
testing on cows to create such a thing. The process, back to the article, the process for getting government approval to sell food derived from genetically engineered animals appears to be a hopeless logjam. A salmon with designer DNA has been in regulatory limbo since the Food and Drug Administration concluded that the fish appeared to be safe and without environmental risk two years ago. The company behind the fish, the Aqua Bounty Technologies, is still waiting for the final regulatory steps and a sign-off from the FDA so they can give us even more designer DNA fish um, because the fish that were created originally on the planet, I guess, aren't quite good enough. A herd of so back to the article, a herd of so-called enviro pigs engineered to digest plant phosphorus more efficiently. So how many pigs did they have to test on to finally get to where these pigs are bio- biologically engineered? Cutting feed costs as well as levels of polluting phosphorus in their manure was euthanized this year. The herd was euthanized because of funding difficulties and public wariness about genetically modified organisms. Oh my gosh, shame on us for our public wariness about genetically modified organisms. Cell and semen samples have been banked in cold storage. Oh, thank goodness they saved some of it until the regulatory climate and societal attitudes improve. Not change, improve. Interesting slant on this little article. According to the Canadian scientist who was in charge of the project. So we're going to put it on ice until the public gets on track with letting us give them more genetically modified Not only uh, plants now, but animals. Goats that produce a protein in their milk that can help fight diarrhea in young children are being moved from California to Brazil, mm, Brazil, for commercial development in what some scientists see as a more biotechnology-friendly locale. Hmm, have to be thinking about Brazil. Scientists are working on a range of products in various stages of development, including virus-resistant chickens, meat with healthier fat, and mastitis-resistant dairy cows that would require fewer antibiotics. Hmm, I wonder why they need so many antibiotics. Oh, because they're standing out in those fields waiting to be slaughtered inhumanely in all that dirt and filth? I don't know don't know the answer to that. Anyway, that article is in the Los Angeles Times. FDA too slow to approve biotech foods. Let's only hope and pray that they continue to be, quote-unquote, too slow. At least, that's the prayer of the self. And that is the end of our time. <laughs> Wanted to end on a positive note. And there is a positive note because in all the works of J.R. Tolkien, there is a, always the theme of hope. And uh, lest we forget, uh, Arwen is always here to remind us, and let's see here, what she has to say about that. Even the smallest person can change the course of the future. Indeed. Thank you, Galadriel, for that reminder. And I am Tani Genuviel. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and that's going to wrap it up for today. Please stay tuned for the Blue and Gold Report. Should we have a podcast up on uh, 
in the next day or so. And please check out, we are in a brand new week of programming for KUCI Plus. So if you have trouble finding any of your regularly loved shows, please check around on the schedule because things get moved around every quarter. This is KUCI in Irvine. You can email me at askanelf at yahoo.com. Namaria. of the Anteater Kingdom on 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine. Good afternoon, Anteater fans, and welcome to the first show as we take an inside look into UC Irvine athletics. The Blue and Gold Report airs Tuesdays at 5 p.m., and over the year we'll be talking to UCI student-athletes, coaches, and staff. Last year, we introduced an alumni segment and visited with several of our athletic alumni, including Oklahoma City Thunder head coach Scott Brooks, Chicago White Sox pitcher Dylan Axelrod, and four-time Olympian Ryan Bailey. And we'll be bringing back that segment again this year. Also joining us is Daily Pilot reporter Barry Faulkner, who will share his view on Anteater Athletics. I'm Fumi Kimran. I'll be your host for the next hour. We have an exciting show for you today. Our first guest is junior driver Mitch Wise from the men's water polo team, and later we'll be joined by senior libero Kristen Winkler of the women's volleyball team. Fans, if you have a question you'd like to ask our guests, email us at blueandgoldreport at yahoo.com or tweet us your question to at UCI Athletics and use the hashtag.